Hi guys, thanks for tuning in this episode of the Nick Egan Times. On this episode, we have an awesome guest. We have the multi-talented Morgan Miles. Morgan is a well-known country singer. Morgan is a triple threat vocalist, songwriter, and guitarist. Morgan was named the CCMA's 2009 Best Female Artist. Morgan has released her first album, Therapy. Welcome, Morgan, the multi-talented Morgan, should I say, and thank you for coming on the podcast. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> thanks for having me. Welcome. How's it all been going over there? How's it been going over here? Yeah. <laughs> I've actually been touring almost all year. So um, it's all been so acoustic um, in different, more rural places of the country. But it's been good to uh, at least get back to playing music. I think people need music more than ever right now to just at least alleviate some of the stress and anxiety that we're all going through. And I think music is one of those ways that still can help unite us and, and truly hope, hopefully bring us back to some peace. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I guess on a personal and professional level for obviously the music that you do in your life, how has that, has that had any effect on you? Absolutely. But, you know, my album named Therapy, is truly where my heart is. Um, you know, th this business is so hard and I've been through so many ups and downs. And the reason I'm still doing it is because of the fact that music is truly healing. And so, you know, no matter what facet I do it, I enjoy helping people through that, that manner. And now again, more than ever, you know, you have to be strong and reach people. And so many times this year, I've almost, I've been like the first performer they've seen since the of lockdown, and they're like, "I just so needed this." And that experience that we're having in that moment, because nothing truly can, and my and you really see it because we never had this situation before. Nothing can truly replace being together live. Like, yes, we have this technology, which has been great to connect us on on a different level, but it does not replace that energy of of having a live show. And so it's been really rewarding to seeing how much people really need music. Yeah, 100%. It definitely resonates too with people. Obviously, they're doing it tough. You can get it on all kind of levels. So yeah, totally agree. Um, all right, let's just jump straight into it. Tell me about your background. So how it all started, like the journey to obviously where you are now. <laughs> So I have nobody that's musical in my family, which is always shocking for a lot of people. I'm from Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Um, I started playing piano when I was about six. Um, and then I didn't like that too much. It can play a little bit still. But um, I ended up getting really, really into guitar. And um, I was three hours away from New York City. So at such a young age, I was going back and forth and learning how to write, all that kind of stuff first songs were terrible. Um, <laughs> then I ended up going to Berkeley College of Music in um, Boston. As soon as I get to Berkeley, I get some opportunities in Nashville. So I transferred because of something with Sony Records at the time. Um, went to Belmont University, graduated there for uh, music business, interned for everybody from like Taylor Swift to Jewel. I mean, I was everybody's little. <laughs> and then um, as soon as I, about a week after I finished college, 
I had two opportunities. I was either going to go into the business side because I got that job for marketing, or I could go on the road and be a utility player on the Rima tour. What did I choose? Rima tour. So mm-hmm. after that, I um, knew I needed to focus on myself as an artist and a songwriter instead of playing for other people. Cause like your whole life is about that artist's career because you just don't have time. So, um, I ended up becoming a nanny and, um, for a woman that had ALS became the guardian of two kids. She passed away all while I'm writing a ton, making records, making music. And then about five years ago, I think I was able to do this strictly be on the road and I signed with a management company which ended up being a really horrible experience for me but I wrote the album Therapy and uh, and honestly I've been on the road opening for some of the most amazing huge artists ever so it's just such a great experience so yeah it's it's there's I could probably give you a novel of what I've been through but my favorite part is truly making music getting out there, having those experiences and connecting with people. And uh, that's just why it's, that's truly what keeps me going. I think if you're not in it for that, you will eventually just go, I don't want to do this anymore. That's just not been my experience. So (laughs) it has been wild. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. Um, All right. Let's talk about the uh, album therapy. Uh, Talk to me about that. What's the background behind it? Like the whole, yeah, I guess the whole process, the songwriting. Oh my gosh. So I wrote 70 songs in five months before that, just for that record itself. Um, And a lot of the songs were basically my passive aggressive way for standing up for myself because my manager was really toxic. He would basically tell me that I was an effing moron before I'd go on stage. Um, he would sit in writing appointments. He, I mean, there was just so many things going on. It was highly controlling, highly isolating. And in the music business, you run into people like that. They, and they forget that we're human beings. And I know we're the product and I, I get it, but really took away everything that was important to me. And um, so a lot of the songs were just empowering. Um, and it was like my passive aggressive way of trying to stand up for myself and be heard. Like silence is the only way you'll listen. Okay. So you got to check out that song. Um, and then the other huge aspect of this album, and this is, I think why I fought so hard to be able to release it. Cause that monster tied up my masters and all this stuff. But anyways, uh, my cousin had brain cancer at 33 and we lost him and there was so many songs that I wrote to get through that situation. He, he was my best friend. He moved me to Nashville. You know, we were so close and it was so heartbreaking for me. And it was such an experience that I don't think I was, I mean, I don't know how you can be prepared for it. So there's a lot of faith and spirituality and honestly, just, it was all these prayers that I just wanted to give to my family and him. Um, and there's been all these like really weird stuff that's happened with some of the songs that I don't want to get imagined. Up. But, um, it's like he's telling me he's heard him because one of the last things he said to me, he didn't want to hear I believe. 
because he's like, I know it's going to be too hard. And uh, there's been some really weird stuff that's happened with that song. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so this album has a lot of strength and vulnerability. And um, I just, what's so odd was I fought for two years. It was finished. And I wanted to release this album so much. And finally, I was like, I can release it. January 2020, two months wow. later, it's like pandemic. And so, but the beautiful thing is this record is not about me. It's, it's these songs, I think, are what people need to hear right now. Everybody needs faith and strength and feel that empowerment that we're not in this alone and that it will get better. And I think there's a lot of that in that record. So it's like, that's probably why. It needed to come out. Yeah, well, it's incredible. And I've heard of, like, a few of the songs, definitely, um, and they're just amazing. And it's very, uh, it's got a connection to it, too. It's very raw and very, you know, like, it's, yeah, definitely very empowering. So amazing work you've done and well done on that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love one of the other songs, too, Whiskey Dream. I love that song. <laughs> that was uh, a while ago. Um, yeah. That one's kind of silly why I wrote that one. Um was dating this guy and I had torn my ACL, my knee, and I was having surgery. And all I expected was like, hey, did you make it through the surgery? Whether that the bar was so low, even a text message would have been fine. What I got was a 3 a.m. freaking phone call, drunk phone call, <laughs> three days later. And so I was so mad. I never talked to him. Oh, well, this is kind of funny. I think he was Australian. <laughs> oh, wow. There we go. <laughs> he was. Because I, I remember he played rugby. This is a while ago. Anyways, about, I don't know, two weeks later, I was on crutches writing with my producer. And he's like, what's going on? I was like, I am so angry. So anyways, uh, we wrote Whiskey Dreaming. And I kid you not. This is funny side note. During the pandemic, he tried texting me. Wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I did not text that. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, that's, what, what, what has been, I guess, if you look up to artists um, previously, what's inspired you? So who did you look up to when you were younger that inspired your music too? So was there any artists? Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, I think it all started with me being able to sing at such a young age, these huge divas, because the divas of the 90s, I think, are what shaped me from Mariah to Celine to Whitney, but then to Shania Twain, Trisha Yearwood, and like Bonnie Raitt. So, but the big thing, what happened was um, I met my guitar teacher. And he was really, really tough on me because he believed in me. And he saw this super, super soulful side of my voice that I hadn't connected with. And when he did that, he made me learn. I had to be Janis Joplin in Woodstock and so this production that we did. And he goes, oh, no, no. You have to learn the whole show. All her little tidbits, scats, everything. I was like, huh? Has anybody seen her live Woodstock show? It is crazy. But I did. I learned it. And then he had me playing Bonnie Raitt and Susan Tedeschi and 
uh, Carol King. I got really into Carol King. Her my favorite full album, top to bottom, is Tapestry, hands down. You can see that on my YouTube. Um, so, and, and then I think what happened, you know, just growing more recent years, I've fallen really in love with classical music and jazz and just really things. So I'm, I'm highly influenced on a lot of different things, but, um, as far as people that inspire me, um, when I met Reba, she was, and I was on tour with her for probably a month. One of the kindest, sweetest people on the planet. And she treats everybody with so much respect. And um, I just admire her so much, salt of the earth. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, there's been a lot of people that inspire you. And there's been a lot of people that I've met that I wished <laughs> I hadn't had a skewed version of, you know? Because <laughs> you... you put people on a pedestal and you just want them to be like that image that you have in your life. <laughs> but um, I've really, I mean, I've probably met every country singer there is really most of them, you know, just from interning to opening for all these festivals and you, you end up meeting quite a few people. So small town. All right. <laughs> um, what's been some of the best advice you've received in your career today? So what's something that's obviously really resonated and stuck out for you that you've learned? This has been a really, really hard lesson for me, but I have to, even today, I was struggling a lot, but I have to remember, I am the CEO of my own company. And just knowing that you are the final decision and it's okay. People are going to push back. People, everybody wants a piece of you in a different way, and you've got to make the call that's best for yourself. And it's easier said than done because I do know about myself. I am a people pleaser, and I want everyone to be happy. <laughs> and, um, you know, sometimes you're not going to make everybody happy. And I think you have to really just know yourself, stick to yourself, and um, make what best decisions you can for yourself because otherwise they'll take and take and take. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I tell a lot of like younger artists that are just getting started. I'm like, okay. I mean, I have like a laundry list of mistakes that I've made. And, but the biggest thing is you are the CEO of your ship. You got to remember that. All right. Well, you've done amazing. You're an amazing CEO and you know, you're only getting started, right? Your trajectory is very going very high. So, you're an I hope so. <laughs> you are. Yeah, definitely. Um, what what else do you do, I guess, away from obviously your busy schedule with the music and everything you're doing there? What do you do in your downtime? What do you, if you have any, what do you like to do aside from music? So I've honestly struggled with having even a work balance because, I mean, this year I think I've, I've only been home like 10 days. I mean, it really has been a struggle of just balancing that. But I do have to say my favorite things to do, which I had some time during quarantine. Um, I live on a lake with uh, my amazing family, my parents, and we love to water ski. We're keeping a dying sport alive, okay? And, you know, I basically lived in my bathing suit the whole time when it was warm, and I... I love animals. I love my dog, Teddy. Um, and really just, I don't know, 
cooking. I got really into cooking over quarantine and just, you know, all that. And then I also, during quarantine, started learning about wine. Just like really, my grandfather was really a big collector of wine. So I've been connecting with a lot of incredible wine experts. And then (laughs) I also um, really love like self-improvement, like learning about just how to better yourselves and deeper faith and inspiration and stuff. And I, during quarantine, I took a Yale course about the science of happiness and it was just mind boggling. So um, I just love stuff like that because I think self love is an every day effort. And I think we don't prioritize that. And I know I don't. So I think it's just something that I enjoy learning about because I'm like, wow, I need to work on that. (laughs) I think we will always be in a place of trying to better, get better and better and better. So we can just be happy, you know? And so, yeah, there's some things I like to do. (laughs) Very nice. And what, what are some of the best moments, you know, obviously, that you remember or you can recall that really stood out for you so far in this um, amazing musical journey you're on and you've been on. What are those, like, you know, those, like, moments where you just like, wow, like, you know, it really, really makes you happy because you've achieved something or it's happened for you or something like that? Like, yeah, can you share some of those stories? I know when, I mean, definitely um, singing the national anthem at Gillette Stadium uh, with the Patriots or doing the anthem at the Red Sox game. Um, Also, I was asked back to my hometown, and it took us a whole year to do this production, but I had the symphony orchestra um, arrange an entire album of mine, and it was so magical having 75 people behind you playing your songs, and it just is massive. And uh, my grandfather had died pretty recently, and I mentioned him after my first song. It was called Goodbye Lullaby. It was so beautiful. And the entire crowd stood up, and it just was like, oh, I still get chills thinking about it. And it's this beautiful Victorian hall that I was never able to play at when I was little. So it was just like, wow, this is a heck of a homecoming. This is how you come back to homecoming. So that was that moment was pretty hard to beat. Um, and then honestly, those moments where, you know, you get a call that a song's getting cut or the fact that somebody wants to write a song with you. That's huge that you admire or, you know, there's so many, there's like that side of it, like the songwriter side, which is a whole nother thing. And I, I love both sides so much. I love that therapy feeling of writing a great song and you walk out and you're like, Okay, that's why I went through that challenging situation so I could write this. And then there's those moments where you're walking out in a crowd and it's just massive and you're like, this is happening right now? And it's like, but for some reason, I get such an amazing high off of it. I'm never nervous. The only time I get nervous is if I have to sell tickets for a venue and they're going to be upset with me if I don't sell enough. Like, that's where I freak out. But if there's people there, it's on. <laughs> wow, yeah, you've got that, you've got that aura and that presence. So you definitely, a hundred percent can can agree and see that. Um, I guess who's the best people you've collaborated with? Who's people that stood out for you there that you've worked with? Um, as far as like bigger artists. Oh, just generally uh, speaking. 
just generally speaking, like uh, playing shows with. Yep. I mean, I used to play, it's a funny story. This is just the one that's coming to mind. I used to um, play all the time. I don't know if you guys know Drake White. I don't personally know. Oh, well, he's incredible. You should check him out. We used to play every Monday and Tuesday for like a year. And he's actually doing a lot of really cool stuff now. Um, I'm trying to think just really cool. I mean, I've opened for everyone. Um, it was really fun opening for Hank Williams Jr. That was totally crazy because his fans are nuts. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've, I've, I don't know. I'm I'm blanking. I mean, um, Rick Springfield was interesting. I'm about to open for Great White this weekend, which will be not this weekend, but next weekend in Texas. Um, so yeah. Oh, this was what this was probably the really cool one. Cody Johnson's a huge country Texas artist, and recently I was able to sing on his song "Nothing on You." And he ended up getting picked up by Warner. And um, when he plays that song live, the, I mean, he's playing sold out arenas. Like it, he is the new Garth Brooks, honestly. I mean, everybody goes wild and flashlights come out every time. And it's wild. So they made it a radio single and it's a super sexy song. So I was actually really surprised they picked that. Um, it didn't do well on radio. I don't know why. It's really disappointing because it's real soulful and just, I think it's awesome. Um, and it's really well written in my opinion, but I think that was really cool because it just blossomed. It kept going up, 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 you know, and which was really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah, like obviously your career is just, you know, you've got so far to go too. Have you, uh, I know previous before we're talking about you were going to come out to Australia and do some shows. Have you done much traveling internationally in that scene yet? Um, I like as far as playing. Um, I've played the UK several times. Um, but I've traveled to like. I mean, personally, I've traveled to Africa. I did study abroad in India. I've probably been to every state in the United States. Um, and unfortunately, in twenty twenty. We were aligned to play a USO tour in Japan. We were supposed to do Australia. We were supposed to do Denmark and like 13 cities in the UK again. So unfortunately, we're still waiting for the reschedule of that. Um, but yeah, I love playing internationally. It's such a different crowd. Um, I really respect, and I don't know about, I've never been to Australia, but I really want to go. But definitely in Europe, they really, really love original music. America's kind of hit or miss. Like some venues, it's very much about original music. Other venues, they really want songs they know and those cover songs and stuff. So you kind of have to be flexible as an artist at times to appease the, the crowd. But you go to Europe, they want to know really the storytelling. They love collecting albums and all that. So um, I don't know if Australia is more on that level. But, um, yeah, it's, I, I just, I mean, I love traveling. I mean, I, I really hope, uh, we can get back to that. <laughs> right. It makes life so much better. And yeah, you, I can't wait for you to come down to Australia. You've got a big fan here, so I'll definitely come yes. see you. Up, so yeah. Um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully next year or the year after this, all this madness finishes. So. I know. I will definitely let you know when I'm coming back and we'll have to meet in person. Yeah. Uh, sure. Coming back. No. <laughs> 
coming over. Yeah, I've never been there. Um, yeah, Morgan, thank you uh, for coming on podcast. Um, oh, of course, amazing. thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Right, yeah, you're doing amazing. Um, you know, you're on such a strong trajectory in life, professionally, and obviously personally with everything you're doing. So, yeah, um, thank you. And to everybody listening, you can download Morgan's new albums and songs on all major music platforms right now. You can also follow uh, Morgan on at Morgan Miles Live on Facebook and Instagram at Morgan Miles Live as well. Uh, thank you, Morgan. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> <laughs>